Hey folks, welcome back to the Culture Jack Podcast. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about, we are going to be discussing Loki episode number four, the Nexus event, which is about 42 minutes long. Now, this might seem strange if you're new to the podcast or new to this show. This is the OTE or on today's episode where we take a series and episode by episode dissect the major plot points of the episode and then have a little, uh, you know, theorizing discussion and dissection through, during, and at the end. Uh, We also do it with movies as well. So, you know, we'll watch a movie and then give you our thoughts on it. And it's, it's like any other review and recap show, except better, insanely better. And we are in the midst of talking about Loki. And so we've got uh, this one and then two more Loki episodes before we move on to other properties. Now, I'm Dustin, and I will be your recap and dissection host for today's show. And before I get into Loki episode number four, if it, if it wasn't obvious already by my description of the show, or if you've been keeping up, there will be pretty significant spoilers. And by pretty significant spoilers, I mean I am going to talk about everything Everything that happened in this episode. So, I mean, if if that's not you yet, if you haven't caught up or and you, you know, particularly care about these kinds of things, I'd suggest maybe tuning out of this episode, going and watching the show and then coming back to maybe hear, uh, you know, what a trusted opinion like my own sounds like uh, for Loki. So uh, getting into the episode, we are left with some pretty big question marks or some pretty big revelations as well from the previous episode. Now, one of the biggest ones uh, that there was is after the last episode on Lamentus, Loki used some some powers that really seemed like they were outside of his skill set. You know, typically Loki, as we've seen in the movies and as we've seen in this show, used uh, illusory magic. He, He made... Uh, duplicates of himself and would make magics and and fake things that were not there. And I think it was brought up somewhere on the internet that he really had only used like a telekinetic type of power in Thor the Dark World after his mother had passed away. He threw a chair across his cell or some such thing. So one of the big questions was at the end of last episode, as the world was crumbling around them, as Lamentus was falling, so too did a gigantic building inside the city, which Loki turned around, said, I've got this, and then proceeded to what seemingly looked like use his mind to place the building back upright instead of falling on them. So I didn't realize it. I didn't catch it before, but scouring around on the internet, a lot of people were saying, you know, did he use a time stone? Like at the, at the earlier episodes when he was, I think it was episode number one, when he was running through the TVA, kind of avoiding capture or avoiding the interrogation with Mobius, he opened up that drawer and the one dude, I can't remember his name. He said, yeah, those are infinity stones. Some of the guys use them as paperweights. And he was fiddling around. Loki was fiddling around with what was appeared to be a time stone when that whole whole tray of stones was vaporized by the TVA after they went after after Loki. So 
Did he use a time stone to set that building upright? But he also used like telekinetic psychic blasts on the train um, when he was fighting those guards as well. So another indication that we're maybe seeing some powers that we haven't really seen from Loki yet. Also, at the end of last episode, it's like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, the ship just exploded. They're doomed on this apocalypse planet. Uh, I was thinking... I mean, I, of course, I've already watched the entire fourth episode, so it didn't turn out to be true. But I was thinking maybe Loki, if he did have a time stone, he could potentially rewind all of episode three to make it so that none of it ever happened, which would explain, you know, why he was so lackadaisical and really carefree during the episode, even going so far as to get intoxicated on the train. Uh but we were really wondering, how are they going to escape Doomsday? You know, and then also another theory that I saw was, did Sylvie, when she touched his neck there at the beginning of the episode, trying to enchant him, did she actually enchant him? And all of this, all of this travel, all of this adventure through Lamentus that we saw in episode three was going on just inside Loki's mind while she got stuff figured out with the temp pad. Turns out none of those th- <laughs> none of those things turned out to be true. Um, all of the TVA are variants. All of the agents at the TVA are variants. That was a big revelation uh, that we got at the end of last episode. So co- coming into this episode, I just wanted to make mention that I love the green Marvel logo at the beginning. You know, very representative of of Loki. Ah. Uh, <laughs> It kicks off really, though, uh, with a picturesque scene of beautiful, beautiful Asgard and a young Sylvie playing with her toys in Asgard as a young Loki type character. Right. And then that that beautiful TVA portal opens up behind her and Ravona Renslayer comes out and she's a hunter at this point, not a judge, but she is just one of the regular old, you know, C20B15s. She's a hunter with a number. She comes out of the portal and she says, take her away. Uh, Sylvie is processed and she goes through all the same things that we saw Loki go through at the beginning, whether it's, you know, getting uh, dressed in the TVA prisoner garb, going through the robot detector uh, with the guy that asks, are you a being that one would consider having a, a soul? And then she goes in front of the judge and... um. She, it, it turns out, wait, oh yeah, okay, so she goes in front of the judge and Ravona's handling her and she like steps on Ravona's toe or something and grabs the temp pad and runs off, makes a, makes a portal out of it and avoids her, uh, avoids her pruning. Then we go back into present time and Ravona is meeting with the timekeepers she goes inside and and we see kind of the silhouettes of the timekeepers and she goes out and talks to Mobius and she says, look, the timekeepers are really pissed off, man. They blame you and they blame myself uh, for all of these variant Lokis in this situation. We need to get it under control. And Mobius, Owen Wilson's character, says, well, I need to talk to uh, Hunter C-20. And if you recall, Hunter C-20 was the agent who had been enchanted by Sylvie, given up the location of the timekeepers in that fantasy realm, 
uh, of her of her mind. Well, they they were in the bar there, and Ravona says, "Mobius, C twenty died," and he's like, "What happened?" And she said, "Well, her her mind was just scrambled." And Mobius says, "She seemed, I mean, she seemed a little messed up, sure, but she seemed fine. Like she was coming back, she was coming too." And and Ravona says, "Nope, she uh, she just she just died." Uh, then we go back to Lamentis and, uh, Loki and Sylvie, they're, you know, they're sharing a moment, uh, as Lamentis is destroyed and Sylvie's kind of talking about how, you know, maybe Loki's are, uh, the universe wanting to break free. So it manifests things like me, the goddess of mischief and, she talks about, you know, nexus events being caused wherever she went and she had to escape through time as a child. And when she finally found out that she could hide in apocalypses, that's where she grew up. That's where she kind of became the person that she is today. And so meanwhile, the TVA is monitoring the timeline, looking for nexus events. They're looking for Loki and they're looking for Sylvie and B-15 is looking hella stressed and B-15 asks Mobius, hey, have you heard anything about C-20? And Mobius lies. And he says, no, I haven't heard anything. Back to the planet. And the planet's falling apart. Um, <clears throat> and Sylvie goes, does does what make a Loki a Loki is that we're, we're destined to lose? And Loki says, you know, we may lose, but we aren't destined to die. And then... As, as the planet is doomed, they, they hold hands and they get close and that's when there's a, a huge branch in the, in the timeline, uh, when they're, when they're holding hands. And so that's allows the TVA to go, there's the branch. It's at the apocalypse and this is where they're at. And they open up some portals and go get them. I think I, I think I'll talk about it a little bit later, but I have done a lot of defending of this timeline versus multiverse versus uh, plot holes, what is supposed to happen, what is not supposed to happen in online chat forums and the like, I I am finding this hard to defend. It's less defensible, I mean, based on the explanations that we've been given in the show. And I, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Uh, so they capture uh, Loki and Sylvie. They're back at the TVA. Mobius... He puts Loki in this time prison and he says something. Loki says, like, I've got to tell you something. He's like, what is this? The last desperate pleas of a desperate trickster or something. And he, he says to him, what are you going to, you're going to call me some, some folk names or something. Now Loki says to Mobius and Mobius says, no, you're just an asshole. And Loki, before he's thrown into this portal, which is to a a pretty funny time loop prison that Mobius has got him got him set up with. Before he throws him in the in the portal, Mobius says, "No, you're just an asshole." And Loki says, "The TVA is lying to you." And he says, "Nice try." And he throws him, he throws him in. And so what it turns out to be, he's back in Asgard, and Lady Sif makes a cameo appearance, which was super cool to see her again. I know she did make a cameo also in Agents of Shield, but Agents of Shield is not canon, according to Kevin Feige, anymore in the MCU. So this, I guess, would be her first legitimate cameo after her roles in in the Thor movies. 
I think. Right? Anyway, she comes over and apparently Loki has just cut her hair off and she's like, I knew it was you. And he he says, oh, Sif, it's good to see you. And she punches him in the face and she kicks him in the nuts and leaves him there and then walks off. And he goes, oh, that was that sucked. But I know after this, I remember this point in time, this point in history, after she uh, need me in the in the nuts, I, I get to go and have a hot tub and some wine. But then time rewinds and she comes out the door and she's like, I knew it was you who cut my hair. And he's like, what? And she punches him in the face and kicks him in the nuts again. And he's in just this like time loop prison. So uh, kind of funny thing. Mobius continues. He wants to interview uh, Sylvie and Ravona says, no, you, you know, it's usually your job. But but I don't I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, Mobius, he talks to B-15 also outside of Sylvie's cell and when he's talking to her, he's like, you know, we've brought in Kree, Titans, and vampires. Why is it that two demigods are such a pain in the ass? And B-15 asks if Loki Loki said anything, and Mobius tells, tells her that, yeah, he said the TVA is lying to us. And this gets, you know, B-15 kind of thinking, and uh, it got me kind of thinking as well, but... Uh, but not about that. It got me thinking about when he was talking about vampires and how, what a specific, I think, important and I think intentional placement vampires was in this particular line as a setup for we all know that we're going to be getting Blade here eventually. And more Mark Marvel stuff that is that is darker, you know, Ghost Rider, Blade, Mephisto. Come on. Come on. You got to. At some point, you just got to give us Mephisto. Uh, so as Loki's in this time prison, he he makes kind of a revelation um, about himself to Lady Sif about always being alone. And then Mobius comes back. He comes into the time prison. And he calls Loki back to interrogate him. And uh, Mobius is he's kind of like, hey, man, was this your master plan all along? What were you trying to get at? What were you trying to do? Uh, you were working for her, right? And he's like, me work for her? No, she's terrible. She hits me all the time. And he's he Loki goes, she was kind of a pawn in my scheme. You know, she came to me on Asgard many years ago and we hatched this plan to take the TVA over and uh, says that he and Sylvie really aren't partners and he's just using her. He was just going to find a convenient time to dispose of her. And... Uh, Mobius says, well, you know, we already discarded of her. So you this one less thing you have to worry about. And Loki's like, oh, what? You know, he's kind of taken aback. And then he goes, good, good. That's that's all for the better. Uh, I actually wanted it that way. I'm good. I'm glad. And um, he gets a little little mad after Mobius is talking some more. And he's like, did you really did you really kill her? Did you really prune her? And. There's a funny line in there where Mobius goes, that's because, you know, one of us is playing, playing checkers. That's you. And old Mobius is over here playing, playing chess. But Loki then got mad that he already had pruned Sylvie and Mobius connects the dots and he goes, oh, you care about Sylvie. What a narcissist, like a sick romantic relationship with yourself. And I don't want to brag. Uh, but I called it 
in the last episode. I said if there was any character, you know what? Just play, just play the tape. Just play the tape from the last episode. You'll you'll see what a Nostradustin I was. So she tries to use her powers on Loki, and she gets up really close to him, and she puts her her hand on on his neck, and nothing happens. She's like, "Why won't my powers work on you?" He's like, it's "Because I have a very powerful mind." You can't, you can't take over someone with a very powerful mind. But it was funny because when she was using the powers, she got up very close to him. And it was a very, you know, like tense sequence between them. And it, it felt, I don't know, maybe a little romantic. I'm not going to say that it was, you know, super romantic, but they, they shared a moment. Whether it is a moment that was shrouded in deception or not. I think how within Loki's character is it for Loki to have a romantic attraction or a physical entanglement, if you will, with himself or with himself from another timeline. Uh, so that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. How about that? I mean, I know that I know the writers set it up. So there was that romantic tension in there to begin with, but I picked up on it. So, like, at least half credit for me, right? So, Loki reveals to Mobius that all of the TVA agents are variants with, uh, with pasts who have had their memories erased. And then meanwhile, B-15 goes to see Sylvie, and she's like, let me in to the guards, and they let her in. And she confronts her uh, about what she is, about what she made her see, and they travel to Roxcraft to do this, you know, the apocalypse in Alabama. Then over to Ravona and Mobius, they're they're wrapping up paperwork on the case. You know, they're having a, a, a little drink to to celebrate and and she asks him, you know, if you could if you could go anywhere and to any time, where would you go? And Mobius is like, you know, I'd like to be here with you. This is nice. This is, I wanna keep doing I wanna keep doing this. And uh so he, he goes, well, what are you going to do with that? Where are you going to put that trophy? Referring, of course, to Sylvie's sword. If you remember, Ravona's got a whole office full of these trophies, and she goes to put it up on her shelf. Well, well she does. Mr. Mobius, who's got this, this worm in his brain saying that he is a variant as well and came from somewhere else, he swaps temp pads. He takes Ravona's temp pad, he puts his down, puts his hers into his jacket, jacket pocket um and then he takes off you know he, she goes hey what one drink that's it that's all you're gonna do and he's like yeah you know i i gotta go uh i can't remember what he says he's gotta go do but he's uh he takes off um then ravona is acting very suspicious so she's acting very suspicious of mobius Meanwhile, back at Roxcraft, in the rain, in the hurricane, again, are Sylvie and B-15, and they're talking, and B-15 says, enchant me again. She grabs her hand, and she sees her memory, she says, I looked, you know, I looked happy, you know, the, the past that I had, and she looks at Sylvie, and she says, well, what now? Now, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what now, B-15, you two are in cahoots against the TVA. That's that's what now uh, Mobius goes to the library with that temp pad that he's stolen. And he looks over that C-20 footage from Ravona's temp pad. And sure enough, he sees C-20 being interrogated by Ravona. And 
C20 saying it was all real. It was all there. She got into my head. I had a past. I had a history before all of this. And Ravona stops the tape and her uh, her face comes into view. By the way, C20 is Jessica Rabbit from Utopia, if you did not see that. But anyway, Mobius saw that C20 was not in mental decline, but was perfectly uh, mentally uh, stable. So Ravona's in this film. Um, and I just in this moment, seeing her here with, uh, seeing her here as, as like a adult person. I mean, she's always, been, <laughs> she's always, she's always been an adult in the film. But what I'm saying is, does she not age? I mean, I guess time in the TVA works differently. Well, I guess that's just it. I guess I just answered my own question. I just exposed myself for not knowing and then knowing a thing because I was going to say she got, she got Lady Loki. She got Sylvie when, when Sylvie was just a child, but now she is an adult. Should not Ravona be aged up, but Sylvie was off aging in real time in different apocalypses in the world. So I guess maybe not much time had passed, though Ravona was a hunter and there was some dude as the judge before. So obviously some time has passed in the TVA to get her that that raise, I guess. So Mobius with this with this new information, Mobius goes back to Loki and he says, hey, we're going to bring this whole place down. I just have to trust the word of two Lokis, I guess. And, you know, Loki's like, hey, you know. Maybe you could trust a friend. Oh, what did Mobius say, say to him? He said something about, you know, you can even, even you can be a good guy if that wasn't something that you'd heard before. And uh, yeah, Loki says, how about trusting a trusting a friend? So they, they form a quick uh, alliance and then they head back through the portal back to the interrogation room where Ravona and her little minion army is minion army. She's got like a personal guard of two or three, two or three dudes. They're waiting, and Mobius realizes that Ravona is about to prune him, and he's he's like, "Hey, what's all this? What's going on?" And she's like, "Oh, my temp pad. Do you have? You've got my temp pad. I've got yours. It would seem. Uh, what's what's the deal?" And he realizes he's in trouble, and he says, "You know, you asked me where and when I'd like to go. He's like, I'd like to go back to where I came from and when I came from." And I'd like to ride a jet ski. And she was like, prune him. And the guard, sure enough, man, the first first tear-breaking moment uh, in this series, Mobius gets gets pruned and died. Well, that wasn't the first tear-breaking moment. Like, you know, Loki seeing his dead mother and his dead father and, you know, him being killed at the hands of Thanos. Like, those were sad moments as well. But it was pretty sad because I really like, I really like this, this character. Ah. Uh, but he got pruned and Loki got captured. So then, uh, by the way, all of Ravona's personal guard here, all of these TVA agents, they're hearing all this shit, right? They're, they've got to know that they too are variants that have been captured from different points in the timeline and come to work at the TVA. Like they've got to know this shit, right? Why aren't they like, uh, excuse me, boss, what the fuck? Or maybe they all know too. Maybe there is a certain subset of TVA 
loyalists that know about the truth of the TVA, that know about their displacement in various parts of the timeline. I don't know, but they're very subservient if uh, this is new information uh, to them. So they then they all go to get uh, Sylvie, and they find out that B-15 has been in contact with Sylvie, so they put out a search order for B-15. Like, shit is just going uh, terrible for Ravona right now. Her whole organization is falling apart based on these two Lokis, which honestly, you think the multiverse and the timeline has some plot holes in it. You, All you have to do is go, why is Ravona not just zapping these two homies just right off the right off the jump? I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll never know. Um, so then she's got Loki, she's got Sylvie and they've put out the search order for B-15 and they all go to the golden elevators and Sylvie asks Ravona as they're going down the elevators, you know, what was her Nexus event? Why was she, why did they come to capture her as a variant, as a child and bring her in? And she asks, you know, do you remember me? And she says, of course I remember you. I've been chasing you for all this time. And she says, what did I do? And, and Ravona says, you know, I don't remember. So it's that classic, you know, uh, villain is really nonchalant, really, you know, your life, these big, huge beats in your life, the tragedy that you have been through is really just an inconsequential thing, just a blip in the villain's past, which Ravona is very quickly establishing herself as the main villain of this show, though, you know, we haven't at this point met the timekeepers. We're about to, though. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's very perfect, I think, that this, this environment, this story was told with Loki and Loki's multiple Loki's at the center of it because it's just so perfect. It's something so in character that Loki's would break up an agency like the TVA. Maybe a character like Deadpool as well could do something like that. But I, I just can't help but think this is a perfect setting for a Loki protagonist, which is which is why they did it. Honestly, they're they're smarter people than I am. Uh I, I didn't think that they were going to show the timekeepers in this episode, though. I thought they were going to bring them into the room, and then as soon as it, it showed their silhouettes, it would cut to the credits, and we would we would pick up with the timekeepers' court in the next episode. But we got to meet the timekeepers, and I have got to say, I love the look of the timekeepers. They're, they look so cool. And I'd love to see like this good CG be used in these shows because we haven't seen a lot of it. There's been a lot of talking. I mean, the the portal effects are cool. People getting pruned, timelines getting reset looks really neat. But these guys look cool. They're just like there's like a dog man god, which is cool looking. So Loki and Sylvie, they challenge the timekeepers and they you know, the timekeepers are like, you, your, your witticisms, your bravado don't scare us. Get ready to be deleted, suck foos See you later. Again, a lot of pomp and circumstance. If you're not even going to investigate the Lokis, you're not going to find out what makes them tick or what causes, you know, such a gigantic uh, nexus event in the timeline when they're around each other or why it's Loki variants that keep stirring up this shit, stirring up this 
this trouble. Uh, so, but they just command them to be deleted. And at that time, B-15 bursts onto the scene before they can be deleted and releases them, uh, takes them out of their, their collars, throws Sylvie her sword, and then there's a fight. And they fight the guards. Uh, B-15 gets gets knocked out by the guards, like I said. Uh, Sylvie gets, uh, or she knocks out Ravona, And Sylvie, Sylvie then, after all the guards are defeated, slices the head off of one of the timekeepers. And it's an android. They're looking at the head. They're, they're having a moment. And they're like, well, then who created the TVA and they throw the head and Loki, you know, he's like, I don't know, but I got something I have to tell you, Sylvie. And he gets really close and he gets really intimate and he gets really personal. And he's like, I've never done this before. And this is all new to me. And he's about to confess his feelings. He's got a, got a hard time with earnest emotion. He's like, look back on Lamentis. And then at that time from behind, Loki is pruned by Ravona. Hmm. Sylvie, you know, disarms her and she's ready to interrogate her. And he says, you're going to tell me everything. And that is the end of the episode. Roll credits. But not quite, because this is the first time that we have a extra scene. And this is so this is episode four for episode five and episode six. We're also going to get extra scenes, no doubt. And. I, it w- I wouldn't surprise me if there was two extra scenes in episode six. I mean, that's just that's just how I think it's going to go. Uh, so Loki comes to in this post credit scene. He wakes up. Apparently he is not dead. He's just somewhere else. He looks around. He says, is this hell? Am I dead? Another voice says, not yet, but you will be unless you come with us. He looks up and he sees more Lokis yet in what looks like to be a ruined apocalyptic New York uh, that you can see kind of the uh, broken, the old Avengers tower in the background there. Uh, and the people that he sees, he sees like an old man Loki, which is a mainstay of the comics, kid Loki, both of which we had gotten rumors would appear in the Loki show, but we had not seen yet a black Thor or it's a, a black dude who's carrying like a hammer who looks like maybe he is a Thor or maybe he is a Loki who took up the mantle of Thor instead. And then there is a, uh, a crocodile Loki as well. And so those are all the Lokis. And then we get the proper end credit scene. Uh, some other things that I want to talk about. That's 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 the episode. Hopefully you watched it. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. If this was not my favorite episode, it was at the very least in my top two so far for Loki. And Loki is shaping up. Gosh, it's just neck and neck with WandaVision because I really did enjoy WandaVision. But some other other things that I wanted to talk about about this show is what a wonderful allegory it is to like the rat race of life. You know, the organization of, of TVA and the sacred timeline is just, is just governments and nation peoples and societies and going to work and doing your nine to five. And then the Loki characters 
the Sylvie characters, they represent a beautiful chaos, a unexpected nature, a, a beautiful bounty of indeterminate possibility and of an entangled multiverse. And I just I just think it's so cool uh, that representation between those those two diametrically opposed uh, viewpoints or ways ways of life. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it that way, but uh, I have been defending this show like I like I said, I, and I told you I'd talk about it a little bit more later. I have been defending this show in chat threads, how the timeline makes sense along with a multiverse, and one of the big things people can't wrap their heads around is how is there even a female Loki, a Sylvie character? How are there all those other variants that were shown in the briefing? before they went to what Roxcraft was it Roxcraft or the medieval fair? How is it that there is all of these different Lokis if there's only one sacred timeline? So there's different universes, right? And the universes all are moving forward on the timeline. And so in these different universes, Lokis can take different shapes. They did not disband the multiverse, but instead take control of the multiverse. So maybe there are only specific, uh, very specific universes. And so where I might be recording this podcast on a Wednesday in this universe, in another universe, I might be recording it on Thursday. And in yet a third universe, I might be recording it on Friday. All of those different multiverses do exist, but the sacred timeline makes it so I am not recording part of this podcast on Wednesday and part of it on Thursday. That's just how it is. If the sacred timeline says that it is going to be away, well, then that's that's the way that it's going to be. It doesn't matter how many ways that there are, because there could be multiple ways that it is supposed to go in different universes. So putting that aside, like they said in the first episode. It could be something as simple as showing up late for work that could cause a branching timeline, one that is not appropriate or does not fit within the specifications of the sacred timelines as dictated by the timekeepers. Okay, so all of that is perfectly defensible in my mind from the the viewpoint of a, a gaping plot hole that Marvel has some explaining to do. What is indefensible? What? Uh, the, the, through the rules that they have already established in this is that when you go to an apocalypse level event, there is no way for the TVA to track you because anything that you do in that apocalypse level event won't matter because everything and everyone dies. No one makes it out alive. And so at the beginning of this episode, when Sylvie and Loki held hands causing the branch in the timeline for the TVA to know to go get them. Why was the branch caused in the first place? Now you could say it's because two Lokis were interacting with each other and you have a real Marty McFly situation. Don't talk to your, your past self or your alternate universe self, or it could cause a distortion in the time stream or whatever. They held hands. There was no branch when she put her hand on his neck before and tried to get him to read his, read her mind, read his mind to get in his mind, whatever they were doing, there was no branch then. And you could say, well, okay, it's just because of the romantic intentions implied in this 
particular final embrace before their impending destruction on the planet of Lamentis. Well, okay, but feelings or not, they uh, would would have died anyway. So those romantic attractions and the unholy child of of the romantic affair would have no implications on any of the universes because it would not have a chance to be born because it would be destroyed with this planet. So either they explain it or they don't. I feel like it's a plot hole. I feel like it's the only plot hole that I have seen so far. But yeah, and I called it in that last, I I called that last episode so good. Um, Are all of the variants who are pruned still alive? So we watched Loki get pruned. We watched him disappear like we've watched several other variants and other objects get, get pruned, other timelines be reset. We've seen that same effect, yet Loki is still alive. Does that mean that the other variants that were pruned are still alive? Are the timekeepers using pruned variants for some type of energy source? Do they just go off to another place, you know, maybe with other variants of their kind? Loki's go with Loki's, Mobiuses go with Mobiuses. Are there a bunch of Mobiuses somewhere uh, who are, are trying to live? Ah. Uh, I, I, it, it really gives me hope that we're going to be able to see Agent Mobius rescued because he's got to ride that jet ski by the end of this program. Who is really in charge of the TVA? So is it Ravona after all? Can't be. She was so easily captured and we assume will be interrogated in the next episode. Is it Kang the Conqueror? Are there actually timekeepers and these robots, these androids are just fill-ins? in their stead will be 15 and Sylvie team up further. I mean, the TVA doesn't need a large army, right? Because it can be at any place at any time. So it can essentially probably send the same agents to all of these different events. So you don't need a large workforce or you don't need a large police force to police that much time. So I can't imagine if Sylvie and B 15 were to team up, that they wouldn't be able to get uh, a lot done. They wouldn't be able to take it over with ease. Where is the TVA? Is the TVA in the quantum realm? Is the TVA somewhere else? I mean, we'll get more answers in uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. But with all of these Loki, with the the near nexus event of a near Loki Union with Sylvie and Loki with with the Loki, the additional Loki that we see in the after credits scene. Is there a scenario wherein all of the Loki are fused together to create some pentultimate version of Loki to create something that is more Loki than any other Loki would be? Would that be the new mainline MCU continuity Loki if we get a <laughs> a fusion dance Dragon Ball Z level fusion of all the Lokis into one Loki? Are we going to see a Luke, Loki fu- fusion is what I'm saying and what I think may happen. 
That's it. That's all I have for on today's episode for this episode of Loki. Now you can check out our other on today's episode. We got WandaVision out on the channel, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Invincible. We're working our way through that right now. We've got more upcoming on today's episode as well. We got more Loki, Black Widow's coming out soon, and What If will be out soon after that. And if none of those, what other on today's episode would you like to hear? Castlevania, The Boys, Utopia, Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man isn't out yet, but I read the whole manga and it is delicious. If you have another suggestion for on today's episode or any of the other other shows on the Culture Jack podcast, you can get a hold of us on Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jack. You can send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this one and want to listen to us again. That's the easiest way to get updated when we put out new episodes. Also leave us a review if you'd be so kind. If you love the work that we're doing and want us to continue, let us know about it. Tune into our other shows on Thursday, Friday, over the weekend, and back to start off your Monday with the finest that the internet has to offer. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode.